waiting. Do you hate to wait? I don't know about you, but uh, there are some things I just don't like to wait for. Like, uh, how about traffic signals? You know, even though it's really only just a matter of seconds, really, if you really think about it, but just sitting there anticipating, waiting, standing in line, water to boil. Is it really true that a watch pot does Eventually it boils, right? It just seems like it takes forever. Uh, food to arrive at your table after you've ordered. Have you heard of this thing now called Uber Eats? Waiting for the Uber driver to bring your food. Do you really want to order McDonald's to be Ubered to your house? I mean, McDonald's french fries are great when they're really hot, but when they're cold, they're not good anymore. Let's just be honest. Adam waiting on Eve. Have you been there, guys? Can I get an amen, men? <laughs> yeah. Uh, when, I grew, when I was growing up, we had five kids, and my mom and my dad, and we had one bathroom. When it was cold outside, waiting. <laughs> no fun. Waiting for Christmas. Are excited about that? Been waiting 360 plus days. Waiting for Christmas. Waiting for, yep, <laughs> waiting for a baby. Waiting for a baby to be conceived. Waiting for a baby to arrive. A year ago, Yesterday, we were in the hospital waiting for our second granddaughter to be born. And it was joyful. It was fun. And we were there. We were all gathered. We were playing cards and we were waiting. And, and my poor daughter had been in labor for a really long time. She was really not enjoying the waiting. And then uh, they said, look, she's not going to be able to deliver the baby. We're going to take the baby C-section. Okay, that's fine. We're figuring prep time. You know, get in, get out, 45 minutes. So we waited. And we waited, and then it turned into anxious, fearful um, anticipation of what was going on, because it shouldn't take this long. And uh, it was scary. My daughter lost a lot of blood. She, it was a really traumatic moment for her, but um, it was worth the wait, because then yesterday we celebrated her first birthday. She, turns, she turned one today, and, and so... It was worth it, but it was difficult. How about, how about people, just waiting on people, people to move out of the left lane? Are you, are you that person that drives in the left lane, like not realizing that this, like all these people lining up behind you waiting? Or how about waiting for people to get off an airplane? Have you ever been at the airport and you're just anticipating, you're waiting for them to come out? You just, you can't, is that them? No, no, it's not them. Man, why are they, why did they sit in the back of the airplane? Why is it taking them so long? And then, then there's that moment when you see them. Oh, there they are. Yeah, oh, look, they see us. They see, oh, they're smiling. Oh, they may look tired. He must have been, it's been a long trip. And you can't wait to embrace them when they come. Brady and Carrie Rogers uh, will be waiting this week for their son Alec to come back from England. And you can, you can tell that, uh, especially that mama, she's anxious, <laughs> anticipating, and she's waiting. Well, let me tell you a funny story uh, about waiting on people. And so this is a um, dramatic tale that I've put together. I don't even know, is he, I don't even know if he's here yet. I don't know if he showed up today or not, because I told him I was going to. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but I told him I was going to tell the story just to, to illustrate waiting. 
So I was going to meet a guy for breakfast on Friday morning. He had to work at 9 o'clock, so I agreed to meet him at 7.30. This was by his request, mind you. This was his idea. Like, hey, I want to get up. I want to meet you. Let's, get, let's have breakfast together. I said, that's fine. So I crawled out of bed. I didn't really want to go because I was fighting off this cold, and I thought, man, I could just sleep a few more hours. But hey, people matter, right? And this guy, I love this guy. And so I wanted to just sacrifice this rest and I went to meet him. Now, my phone said traffic was light between my house and the Waffle House, all right, here in Platte City. That was great news. Traffic was light. I was really concerned about that here in Platte City. Um, and I timed it just perfectly. Actually, I was a little bit early. And uh, there was a little small detail I want to tell you as I continue the story. I left my phone at home, which is very unusual for me to do. Uh, I'm, my phone is part of my connection to the outside world. And, you know, as a pastor, I feel like it's a great tool. It's a, it's a tool that's necessary. If my wife needs me to pick up something in the store, you know, whatever it is. Well, I left my phone at home. And so I didn't, uh, I didn't have any way to really connect with them. But I thought, you know, I'm a little bit early. I still probably had time to go back. Remember, the traffic was light. But I thought, you know, I want to just, I want to make sure that I'm here on time because he's going to be running on a tight schedule because he's got to get to work. So I went on inside, got settled in my favorite booth there, ordered my cup of hot brown liquid goodness, and I waited. And I waited and I anticipated. I anticipated our conversation. What, you know, what things we're going to talk about, probably talk about Christmas, talk about his family. We would maybe share some scripture together. He would probably want to talk about the New England Patriots. Uh, don't know why. Um, probably wants to compare their record with the Chiefs record right now. And so I waited. And I waited some more. Guess what happened? I thought to myself, well, he has a habit of being late. And so I didn't get too concerned until it was about 7.50-ish. And there wasn't much I could do, really, at that point, because remember, I left my phone at home. Now, think about it. Back in my day, when I was this guy's age, there was nothing we could do at that particular point unless there was a dumb phone called a payphone, because, you know, we didn't have smartphones back there. They were just dumb ones hanging on a wall. And I could, well, I could call him if I remembered his number. You, you know, do you remember back in those days, you actually remembered people's phone numbers? Like you did, either, either that you had a little black book in your pocket, you know, you guys and all your girlfriend's numbers, you know, but you remembered numbers back then. But I didn't have any of that, so I thought, well, I'll just wait. I finally gave up. I ordered two eggs over medium, hash browns in a ring, and wheat toast. Only at Waffle House do they tell you you get hash browns in a ring. Do you ever wonder how they keep that stuff straight at Waffle House? Have you been sitting there and listening to the server yelling out the order to the person doing the cooking? That's a tough job. There's like some kind of secret code those Waffle House servers and cooks know. Like I don't know what they're saying, but they somehow figure it out. I felt sort of bad for the lady who was fixing my breakfast because the pan that she was using, the eggs kept sticking, so my over mediums turned into scrambled, and she kept throwing them out. And she was getting really frustrated, so there I was waiting again. But when it was all said and done, it was the best breakfast, the loneliest breakfast that I'd ever eaten at Waffle House. Nobody likes to wait. But we all know that there are some things worth waiting for. And we're going to get into that here in just a moment. But I want to show, I want to show another video. This video goes along with those catalogs that I passed out last week. Now, if you weren't here last week, we passed out these catalogs with the encouragement 
as the body of Christ to bless those that are less fortunate than us with gifts that we'll keep on giving. Uh, we're going to go in the livestock business here at the Calling Community Church. That's why I wore my boots today, because you know, we're going to start, we're going to buy some, some pigs, some sheep, and some uh, goats, lambs, maybe a cow or two, and we're going to bless other people um, in a different part of our world. And so this video kind of introduces um, that idea, so take a look. As a church, our commitment is to follow that guideline out of Matthew chapter 25. And we, we try to do everything that we can to bless, to bless those that are less fortunate or those that need a hand up. Maybe they're under-resourced for whatever reason in our community. And not just in our community, but all over the world. And so I, I just want to reassure you to, of something really quick. When you give to the Calling Community Church, that money um, is spent very wisely. Yeah, the part of it does bless me and bless my family, you know, in order for us to, to maintain a um, life here in this community. But we, we go to a great extent to make sure that, that when we have funds that God makes available to us, we spend them on things that matter. Uh, making sure that there are apartments here in Platte City for for homeless families to move into, making sure that people in Africa get clean water um, through a ministry called uh, Bloodwater Missions, uh, making sure that uh, places like the treasure chest have adequate supplies and food to, so when families come that there's always something to eat. So I know we don't, we don't want to talk about it a lot, but, but when you give, it makes a difference, and every little bit helps. And so when we look at, hey, God's blessed us, what are we going to do with it? Um, we, we find ways to give it away. And we want to invite you into the process, invite you to, to shop with us. Um, on Christmas Eve, we will, we will let everybody know that in honor of their presence here on Christmas Eve, that our church has purchased um, gifts for people all over the world. And uh, we did it in honor of you that, that will be here that night. So just want to make sure. And that video uh, kind of goes along with that. So turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, that's the, the Christmas story. We started looking at it last week. And I want to go back to it again. And so if you have your own Bible, turn there. If you don't have a Bible, ask uh, someone in your life to give you one for Christmas. That's a great gift idea. Luke 2. And so let's start at verse number 13. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with angels, with the angel it says, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people that he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Verse 21. 
When the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. And when the days of their purification according to the law of Moses were finished, they, this is Jesus, his family, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. <laughs> I think that's kind of unique. Here they are, hey, God, we're presenting this baby to you. And God's like, I know. <laughs> I know who this baby is. I presented him to you. I gave him to you as a gift. And so they're giving him back. Every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. That was the law of the land. And to, the, to offer the sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem. This is the part I really want you guys to focus on. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, the child Jesus, to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and praised God and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace for you have as you have promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. There's a man named Dr. Ray Pritchard of this ministry called Keep Believing Ministries. And he, he took a moment to unpack this phrase, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Okay, and so I want you to just think about this, this, this thought that the people had been waiting for a really, really long time for this moment to come. And at just the right time, in just the right place, in just the right moment in history, this baby enters the earth, comes to our planet. He visits us, God with skin, in the form of a helpless child. And so he talks about this, this consolation, this, the consoling of Israel, people in unrest, people who had been walking in darkness for 400 years. 400 years, there had not been any conversation, any revelation that had been recorded because the Old Testament had been finished, the New Testament hadn't come yet, and people were waiting for the Messiah to come. So listen to what uh, Dr. Pritchard said. He said, In this baby, Simeon sees the fulfillment of all the hopes and dreams of the Jewish people across the centuries. Starting back when God told Abraham, I will make your name great, and through you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And then God told Moses that one day a great prophet would come who would be like any other prophet that had ever come before him. He promised David a son who would reign on his throne forever. He spoke through Isaiah the prophet and promised that a son would be born of a virgin, that his name would be called Emmanuel, God with us. And then Micah, one of the prophets towards the end of the Old Testament, predicted that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. No coincidence that Joseph had to go up to Bethlehem to register in that census that was going on at the time. No coincidence that part of David or Joseph's lineage was King David. So God keeps his promises. 
And he fulfills what he says he's going to fulfill. And that's good news for you and me today. If you're in a season of waiting, he always finishes what he starts. So he goes on to say, for generations the promises were repeated. Can you imagine? Through all the generations, from father to son and mother to daughter, family to family, older to the younger, all the Jewish children were taught to pray for the Messiah's appearance. By the time you get to the first century, you have all these centuries of expectation built up. In his great work, The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah, a man named Alfred Edersheim tells us that Jesus was born, that when Jesus was born, there was great excitement in the nation of Israel. While it is true that many people were not expecting anything, it's also true that many others were aware that something was up and God was beginning to stir the pot of history. Some Jews thought the Messiah would be a great political leader who would overthrow Rome and restore Israel to its rightful place in the world. Others thought the Messiah would be God himself. So others expected a second Moses or a second Elijah. So you had a lot of confusion mixed with a general sense of expectation. Edersheim says that by the time Christ was born, one question above all others was on the lips of every expectant Jew. Why does, does the Messiah delay his coming? Now after all those years, after centuries of waiting, all God's promises were coming true as Simeon held the Messiah in his arms. That's what Luke means when he says, recalls Jesus, the consolation of Israel. As the famous Christmas carol says, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Now, we don't know how long um, or how old Simeon was. I did try to do some research on it. They said maybe he was in his 70s. We know he was an old man. He was devout. He had been there for years. He had been waiting. And we also don't know how long it had been since the Spirit had revealed to him that he would not see death until he got to see the Messiah. So, man, talk about anxiously awaiting. Like, Simeon, maybe when he was 40, he's like, is this going to be it? Is this the year? Is this the year when I walk into the temple and there will be the baby? No, that's not it. 42, 43, on and on. <laughs> Until finally that day, it just so happens that Simeon happened to be there just the right. I wonder how many other babies had come in and gone out. And Simeon missed it. Or he missed them, and then he just happened to be there right at that right time when Jesus is brought into the temple. Do you believe that God is in the small details of your life? Like the very minute, like he is concerned with the little, the little things, just the timing of certain things? I believe so. All we know is that Simeon had been waiting and had been hoping. Because <clears throat> it had to have been hope, right? This joyful and confident expectation that sustained him all of those years. Now, last week I talked about choosing joy in the midst of difficult situations. And I know that's, that's, not, that's not easy. And uh, even in this past week, I know people personally that had to choose joy in the midst of difficult, difficult times. Uh, our friend Jacob Dupin had to go through surgery on a Friday. He had a kidney stone and had some other issues. And man, just hard, hard 
difficult times. I kind of gave him a hard time because he had got up here and talked a few weeks ago about like, like how much, he, how thankful he was for pain and suffering. I was like, suck it up, bro, man, be thankful. <laughs> He's like, all right, not that much pain and suffering. I've never had a kidney stone, but I hear it's miserable. Anybody in here ever had one of those? I hear it's like, yeah, like that, it's terrible. <laughs> That's what it feels like right there. Hard time. So we talked about joy in the midst of a difficult situation. I think that when um, we choose joy, it helps us to obtain a proper perspective of that particular situation and maybe just our life in general. It just helps us to gain or obtain this proper perspective. You know, joy has a name too. Its name is Jesus. Hope, though, helps us to remain right where we are Knowing that the sovereign God of the universe knows exactly where we are, he's working on our behalf, and he has a plan in that particular moment, and his timing is perfect. Romans 12.12 says that we are to rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, and persistent in prayer. And I believe persistent prayer is the key, is the key to maintaining our hope. Right? Maintaining our own hope as we wait for the per, our own personal consolation for whatever it is that we're walking through at that particular time. Persistent prayer is a key. And I love that song uh, that we were singing, He Makes All Things Beautiful. And as we persistently pray and as we wait in, in this joyful expectation, we know that He makes all things beautiful. Let us finish up. Let's look at the last part of chapter 2. or It's not the last part of the chapter, but it's the last part of what I'm going to share with you today. Look at verse 33. It says, His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them, and he told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign of that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Man, can you imagine what Mary was thinking at that particular moment? Wait a minute, what do you, what do you mean uh, that this child is destined to cause the rise and fall of many? And, and what do you mean that, uh, that he will be opposed and a sword will pierce my own soul? Like, what, what are you talking about? And many thoughts, or the thoughts of many hearts, it says, may be revealed. Do you know that not everyone, then and now, acknowledged that Jesus is the Messiah? Many people then, many of the Jewish people, did not accept Christ for who, who he says he, he was and who he proved to be. And, and uh, there's many... Jews now that do not accept Jesus as the Messiah. They're still waiting. They still think the Messiah is coming. And they're still living obedient to the Torah, to God's law. And they're still waiting. And there's many, many of us, many Gentiles, many people who are not of the Jewish heritage, that are still waiting. They've, they've, they've missed it. They haven't, they haven't seen Jesus for who he says he is. They haven't acknowledged that Christ is 
the Savior of the world. They haven't acknowledged that Jesus is their own personal consolation. They've missed it for one reason or another. But this passage of Scripture at the end, it says that Jesus is destined to cause the rise and fall of many. Because I think when we come to who Jesus is, when we come to, to acknowledge him face to face, when we stand before him, when we're here on this side of heaven, when we, when we deal with this question of who he is and what he is and what he's accomplished and who he can be to us, we all come to a place of decision. Every single one of us come to a place where we have to decide, am I going to put my hope and faith and trust in him or is there something else or someone else? Every single one of us. Paul says in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, he says, Paul was a Jewish man. Paul was a devout Jewish man, zealous for the law, even to the point of taking out anybody that wasn't zealous for the law. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also for the Greek or for the Gentile, for those who are non-Jewish people like us. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. We will live by the faith that we put in the Savior whose name is Jesus, who is the hope of the world. First for the Jew, it was offered. He came for his people. He came to redeem the people who were walking in darkness. It was their hope. He was their Messiah. And many rejected him. And as a result of that, we, we receive the blessing. As individuals who put our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ, we receive all the blessings of God's people. That's an undeserved gift. That's called grace. It's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. God wanted to make known, it says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery. And this mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ coming to live inside of you, bringing about this, this joyful expectation of seeing him someday face to face. Listen, my hope of seeing Jesus face to face sustains me today. And it will sustain me tomorrow. And to whatever else that God has in store for me, whatever life brings my way, it could be good, it could be difficult. I don't know, right? That's why I have to live by faith. And it's being certain of what I hope for. I don't know what it's going to be like tomorrow. But I know who holds tomorrow. <laughs> the same Jesus who came at just the right time is the same Jesus who sustains me at this particular moment. Is he the same Jesus that sustains you? I mean, honest, take an honest account right now of your life. Have you put your hope and your faith in this Jesus who Simeon held in his arms, said, This is the one. <laughs> 
Now I can go in peace. You know, listen, in some ways, once we know Jesus in that way, we can also come to this realization. We can go in peace too. Like, I don't have to fear death anymore. I don't have to fear it because Jesus conquered it. Can you imagine the waiting between the cross and the, cruci- and the, and the resurrection? Can you imagine those days of waiting? What it meant for the disciples? Man, Jesus promised and he said he's going to redeem Israel. And then he, he even told us he's going to die and three days later he's going to rise again. And here we are waiting. But do we put our hope and trust in that? Whoa. I don't put my faith in this little clip here. For those who have received this hope, who look forward to the day of seeing him face to face, we can, we will grieve, but we don't have to grieve without hope. Or, maybe we'll never, maybe even experience death. Maybe, maybe because of our hope in him, Jesus is going to come, and he's going to gather us to be with himself. I don't know. <laughs> but, the real question is, is, Have you put your hope in Jesus? Have you have you dealt with who do you say that He is today? Um, this Christmas season is a great time. Today is a great time to deal with that because listen, when it comes to Jesus, either we either He is our hope or He's not. Can I just be that bold with you? Either He is or He's not. It's that simple. So let us pray. Father, we just thank you for your perfect um, timing in the midst of of whatever it is that we're waiting for in our life, whatever situations that are going on in our life. God, we thank you for your perfect timing. I pray, Lord, for, um, for us just to have this, this, honest, this um, honest conversation with ourselves. Is my hope in Jesus or is it not? And Lord, I pray this morning that you would um, touch the hearts of those that have been wrestling with that. Lord, I pray that now would be the perfect time for them to reach out, to cry out to this Jesus who not only came as a baby but grew up as an adult who took the sin of the world including all of our sin to a cross who was hung there who paid the price for our sin for the redemption of of Israel for the redemption of all those who would choose to believe and for the one who conquered death three days later as he resurrected from the grave God I pray that we would find hope in that today we would find hope in that message today where it would sustain us Sustain us at this moment, whatever it is that we're walking through, God. And so, Lord, we ask that you would come. Move on the hearts of your people. Speak. um, And I pray that we would listen, we would hear you, and we would walk um, in obedience. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were here or not here last week and you wanted to grab one of the catalogs, you could come forward and grab one of those. We have a few left. If you need prayer for anything, now's a good time for that too. So just come.